Hello, everybody. You are listening to so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. Today on the show, it's a very exciting day because what? A, oh, I heard of. You heard of room room. I heard of room. It was the Batmobile. No, the Batmobile is showing up because we are doing Batman Begins today. Gotta get me one of those. The Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. I have one. Batman Begins uh, came out in 2005, directed by Christopher Nolan. Everybody knows that, I think. Who? Uh, Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer, starring Christian Bale as Batman, his first go-round as the Cape Crusader. Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Killian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Morgan Freeman, all kinds of people. This movie was a big deal when it came out because oh. it was the first Batman movie to uh, take it seriously, to take Batman seriously and give us that... A gritty edge that um, came to define uh, DC comic book movies and then become hyperbole and then fall apart. Um, (laughs) No humor. No humor. But we can thank the Dark Knight for giving us the rise of uh, serious superhero movies. Or Batman Begins, the rise of serious superhero movies. And um, making Batman cool again. Because when this movie came out, uh, the last Batman movie was uh, George Clooney's Batman and Robin, which did not... It was a shit show. Yeah, went the, went the opposite of, of where this goes. I don't understand. I love that movie. Mm. <laughs> I saw an article going around the other day that was like, uh, Batman Bege- or Batman and Robin is, perf- is, a, is the perfect campy movie. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> you want to talk... Batman the Adam West movie is the perfect campy movie. Mm. That movie is camp for sure. This is the the pure opposite, though. Um, This actually does it justice. Yeah, it does it justice. No pun intended. Justice League. So let's jump right on in and talk about... Well, okay. I forgot we got to talk about the plot of this movie, for people who may not know. Um, Batman Begins is... um, Yes, it's yet another Batman origin story, but it's a different take on it that we haven't seen on film before. This movie, rather than starting out with uh, Bruce and Bruce's parents getting killed outside the opera, we start with Bruce out uh, getting being trained to fight. I don't know what the type of fighting he's training in. But. Uh, martial arts. Yes, I sure. suppose. Um, I was going to say in the League of Shadows. MMA. He's actually training to be a cage fighter. I mean, he'd be good. To take down... Insert cage fighter name. I don't. I can't name anybody that's yes. not Ronda Rousey, and I don't want Batman to fight Ronda Rousey. I don't think that's nice. Uh, I like them both. Uh, who is the re- who's the professional wrestler who did MMA for a while? I don't see him. Fight Brock Lesnar. Oh, oh, Brock Lesnar. Okay, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the only former MMA fighter I can name. And also Ken Shamrock. I don't know who that is. Moving on. Um, <laughs> and then we 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 do see um the iconic moment where his parents are are shot outside the opera by Joe Chill. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. What a cool name. Is it? I like it. It reminds me, remember when uh, Snoopy would go by Joe Cool? Yeah. Reminds me of that, which makes it seem not cool. Yeah. Because I like Snoopy and he's not threatening. (laughs) (laughs) I love Snoopy. Not a threatening dog. No. So, anyway, Batman happens. (laughs) So hey, we don't need to like get into no, the finer, people know. The finer I feel points. like everyone in the world saw this Batman movie. happens after that. What? So I'm not the most like I, I can't remember some of the earlier like the um, Michael Keaton Batman movies. Oh yeah. So let's talk about the origin story because to me, a typical Batman origin story goes: okay, your parents died, and then you're Batman. Like yeah. there's, but this one really seems to like delve into it. It gets mm-hmm. deep. It gets de- like hardcore origin story, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like other Batmans have had that. Am I wrong? 
No, you're pretty much correct. No, it, we've never seen Batman train like that, or Bruce train like that to become Batman. Well, if there's anything to be said about this movie in particular is that we go into a really huge sense of pathos for Batman because the only thing you see in the other movies is his parents died and then flash forward to Batman. And that's it. Basically. We, we, don't, we don't see anything else. This movie says it all. This movie does everything in between. And... I like how all that is set up because when he, because whenever he's in the League of Shadows, that's when he really gets a huge sense of self and saying, "I want to do more than just hurt people. I want to help save them, mm-hmm. and be a protector for the weak." Yeah, he says, "I seek the means to fight injustice, to turn fear against those who prey on the fearful," and that's what he wants. And then uh, Liam Neeson starts beating the crap out of him immediately almost after that to uh, start testing his fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, whenever he was with White Bats, because uh, I think that's what uh, Alfred said, he said, Bats frighten me, and I want to use I want to use my fear against my enemies. Yes, and, and there was a point where um, I feel like it was Falcone, maybe, who said um, you, fear, you fear what you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that that was a key moment in Bruce is uh, forming the Batman identity. He became something that people can't understand because that's what you fear the most. It does a great job leaving behind the original Michael Keaton Batman, who I love Michael Keaton Batman, but I love these movies a little bit better. Yeah, it's hard to pick. We, we might do that. That might be a fun thing to visit at the end here. Um, kind of which one, which first Batman movies are the best. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that we liked about, about this in particular, though, uh, p- perhaps outside of the origin story we just discussed? So I had a weird situation with this movie, and when I was a kid, I didn't not like it, but I, because I grew up with the Schumacher Batmans and things like that, I expected it to be Batman. And, like, the whole first half is not Batman, it's Bruce Wayne and Christian Bale, so I thought it was really slow as a kid, and I didn't fully understand it because I, I just wanted Batman. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, 15, 16, so I wasn't a kid. But like at the time, I didn't have like full appreciation for movies. And I just wanted to see Batman. Mm-hmm. This is Batman, and I don't care about Christian Bale. <laughs> Where is Batman? Growing up and watching it again, this is the first time I think I've watched it in a very long time, uh, I had a better appreciation for what they were doing and what they were setting up, especially knowing that there were two more movies to come and the whole world that they set up, and it just gave a lot more depth to it, and I really enjoyed watching that as an adult and having a better appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a couple things I really really like about here about this. One of the things is is that um, we see a bunch of villains in this movie that the Batman series in general has never seen. We see, yes. we see Scarecrow. I love Scarecrow. We see Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. We, see, um, we see Falcone. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever seen Falcone. Hold on. I have a problem with that because in all the movies I've seen, it's always Falcone. And they kept calling him Falcone and it was driving me up the wall. Is it Falcone or Falcone? Because I've always heard Falcone except for this movie. I thought it was Falcone. That's what they say in this movie. But... Where, have, where else have you heard Falcone? Gotham. Oh, the show? Yeah. Um... I don't watch the show, so I can't... Well, I mean, Batman Begins came first, so Falcone. Fair. Okay. Fair. But um, I love how they cover all these villains, and I love how those villains kind of became the way they are. And we're also not del- delving into supernatural stuff, so there's not a lot of... Um, there's not, you know, like Mr. Freeze 
he has a gun that is able to freeze everything. You know, that we're not dealing with supernatural villains here. We're dealing with people here who have, who are very cunning. And I think also, what else do I have? I don't know. I think Scarecrow's kind of supernaturally. He well, has he gas that manipulates your mind. Like if, It's like if, a hallucinogen. Yeah, though. but so, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what, because when you say supernatural, I think of like, Weird things like Mr. Freeze is just a dude who built a freeze ray. Mm-hmm. Like that's not supernatural. That's but, mechanics. But I mean, he was he was frozen. I mean, he was he was knocked into like. Uh, well, yeah, he was. Yeah, but you didn't say him. You were talking about the gun. So if you're talking okay. about that, that's fine. And you know, Poison Ivy and right, 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 and Bane in the Batman and Robin, who is ridiculous. But but anyway, I think if there's any one aspect I love about this movie, it's the fact that Christopher Nolan did it. At first, I had I was kind of curious as to why Christopher Nolan was going to do it because my my original take on it was, oh man, he's becoming a franchise. It's probably he's becoming part of a franchise. It's not going to work. And it I refer to this movie the same way I refer to like the movie History of Violence because David Cronenberg, you wouldn't think, would be the perfect director for it, but he was. The same goes for this. I think Christopher Nolan is the perfect person to helm the Batman series. He does it justice. No pun intended. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, I could be wrong, and a lot of a lot of more hardcore film fans might disagree. But I think this. I think the. I think Batman Begins is what shot Christopher Nolan into the mainstream. I, I agree. Um, you know, he before that did Memento, Insomnia, and Following, which. Following is, is no one has seen that except for hardcore. Yeah, I've seen it. You've seen it. But, I, I but love following. The general audiences have never heard of following. Yeah. And Memento, I think, had a bit of a, a cult following at the time. And Insomnia was forgettable, yeah, in my opinion. I think, like, I think, like, right, right after following, or not following, Insomnia, people were just like, oh man, we, we don't know where, he, where he's going to go with this. And then all of a sudden Batman Begins comes out. That's where that's yeah. where the skepticism kind of came in because Insomnia came out in what, 2003? 2002? I think that's, that's right. 2002. Okay. And Batman Begins came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 really had, it really had me going there for a second. I'm like, man, oh man, I, I really, because I love Memento and... This blew it out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, this is the one that, that really put him on the map, and then he was able to prove um, with dang near every movie since then that he is a formidable director. Mm-hmm. Tell um, that to the Academy, boys. Yeah, Tell I will. Tell that to the Academy, boys. Yeah, he still should have probably won Best Director last year, but whatever. Um, yeah. I wanted to go back to the, the villains because I that, that was one of my favorite aspects of this movie is the villains, by being some of the... the the bench players in the Batman universe allow the movie to be more about Batman. Yeah. I think this is a, uh, a nice, um, evolving character piece on Batman, how he comes to be, why he does what he does and who he is as a superhero and, uh, his alter ego, Bruce Wayne, uh, scarecrow was done very well. Mm-hmm. He, uh, is scary. And, but he's someone we've never seen on film before. Yeah. So I like that. And then Ra's al Ghul, I typically um, err on the side of not wanting more than one villain. But we got the, – the great thing about Ra's al Ghul is there's a double cross aspect there. Yeah. And I think that is also important to defining who Batman is. He, Ra's al Ghul is who trained him essentially, mm-hmm. who helped him become Batman. And then for him to turn around 
and and double cross him later in life to try to uh um take over Gotham or whatever yeah. was was pretty wild. Yeah. I also liked Gotham. This is the first version of Gotham that is a real city. Yeah. Um it's not this uh these this Tim, this Tim Burton esque fantasy city and it's not the I don't even know what Joel Schumacher did with Gotham City. It was well, it wasn't very realistic though. It was too like it was the same it was in the same vein of the Burton stuff. I mean the thing it, like this is this is what I had a hard time with 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 the Tim Burton movies and the Schumacher movies is that I didn't know I mean I, I understand Gotham is fictional I understand the the play the timeline is kind of fictional but like it just threw me off with it threw me off with how they were building everything especially production wise because everything was just so big and grandiose and crime was everywhere <laughs> and it it it. it I mean, it was it was good eye candy, but mm-hmm. other than that, it, I mean, it just it did not hold up. I think this holds up a lot better. Yeah. Than, than those four movies. Nolan's Nolan's Gotham City is a real city. It could be any city. Um, they, it you know they filmed Chicago as the backdrop for Gotham City, mm-hmm. so it looks real because it is. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Gotham City historically, fictionally historically is always very crime-ridden. Mm-hmm. And we see that here, but it's not to a like cartoonish, car- cartoonish extent mm-hmm. where you're like, this is impossible for there to be this much crime. It's the right amount for you to believe Batman is necessary, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I enjoyed Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine. I thought they Michael were, Caine is uh, very Caine. good. Yeah, I liked um, so. the idea of Lucius Fox, because that's not a character that I remember growing up. Yeah. And so being able to see how Bruce Wayne has the ability to get these things through his own company, through a, a department that really isn't um, appreciated at the higher up. So he just kind of swoops in and takes all this stuff that is experimental and, and being worked on to, to make it Batman-esque. I thought that was really a good way to kind of add some depth to how he got these things rather than just, Oh, he's got a bat belt. Yeah. And yeah. At, I, sorry. What? Uh, I was just going to say that also extends on the whole villain idea of some bench players allowing Batman more time to shine because really, I think to make a successful Batman movie, you must have three characters, Batman, Alfred and commissioner Gordon. Everyone else can interchange. Mm-hmm. So we had Alfred, but they let Lucius take the role that Alfred typically plays in these movies. Mm-hmm. Alfred in past movies has been like his go-to uh, assistant and like tech helper in the Batcave. Uh, he Michael Caine doesn't play that part in this one. He's no. he's more of a uh, watch, keeping an eye on the on Wayne Manor kind of kind of Alfred. Whereas Lucius maintains that um, he, I'm the guy who helps you with the tech. And he's more like this. Alfred is more like uh, like the conscious of Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah. like helping him along and becoming who he and becoming who he is. But I want to say that like I'm so happy that this movie solved that issue with all the with all the items that Batman has because you know in the first one with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton, there's a scene in which when uh, Batman is helping Vicky Vale get away from the Joker, and the Joker just says. Where does he get those wonderful toys? And 
that's the question I had throughout the entire series before I watched this. And I'm like, oh, he has help. And it is. With, and it's within his own, it's with his own people. It is great to see, to actually see the reason how he, or how he gets these things and the, and the work that goes into them. Um, I did make a note of how do you, how do you explain this? Like Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox was just like, if you, he, I think he has a line of like, if you don't tell me what you're doing, I can't lie. Because I don't know what's going on. So he just seemed pretty indifferent. But, like, Alfred knows what's up. Yeah. And I know that they address it, but, like, how do you, as Bruce Wayne, explain this to where people don't think you're crazy? Even Alfred was like, the only reason I didn't call to put you in a white cut was because whatever. I don't remember exactly what he said. But, like, if, if I loved somebody deeply, like Alfred loves Bruce Wayne, and he came up to me and was like, I'm going to be a crime fighter. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to jump from these buildings and I'm going to do these things and beat these people up. I'd be like, what? <laughs> Not, what? Please take another Valium, sir. You, you're I think, gonna I, I, I think go, I'll your bloody mind. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to go talk to somebody. So I just like the fact that they just kind of go like, all right, eccentric <laughs> billionaire. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he owns what are you gonna do? stuff, so yeah. I guess he can't really do much, but like, I don't know. It just it was an interesting, like, Whatever. I always thought that was an interesting ask. Because they know. Yeah. Uh, and especially in this one, since it's such a deep origin story. In the other ones, he's already, like, established. You don't really have that opportunity to think about it. No. I don't know. What's a, what are the best scenes? What are our favorite scenes? My favorite scene. I have two of them. Let's hear them both, then. Okay. The entire time he was with the League of Ship. The entire time he was with the League of Shadows, uh-huh. and especially during his final test, when he does not want to kill the, project, the betrayed member, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not just doesn't that, want to kill. It's not it, Batman style, man. Yeah, it's not Batman style. But he also, in the process, saves Ra's Al Ghul. And I, yeah, I but lo- he didn't know that. He didn't know that. But the thing is, is that he didn't. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't save. I mean, he saved him at the time. But like, I loved how. I think that's kind of where I think that's like a major character turn point for Bruce Wayne. Um, the close second is when Bruce falls into the cave again whenever he's an adult and he's surrounded by all the bats. Yeah. And he's got the light in his hand and he stands up and he's got the bats swirling around him and he suddenly realizes who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I think that those are the two best scenes in that movie for me, other than the chase. So. Yeah, I like the, uh, I think the one, the scene that I always think of when I think back on this movie is when we kind of first see him as the full-fledged Batman, mm-hmm. when he's um, in the shadows of those shipping containers, mm-hmm. one by one taking out the Falcone's henchmen. Mm-hmm. That's just cool to me, and I, I, I love seeing that kind of Batman. And then, is it at the end of that scene or another scene? It all kind of melts in my mind where he, uh. It's raining, and he like pulls that guy up at the top, and he's like, Rargh! "Yeah, is that that scene I'd, too?" I think it comes after that scene. Yeah, because I like that part too. Yeah, because he was asking about the drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's my favorite scene. I was gonna say the same thing where you like he's first seen as Batman, and he's hanging upside down, and that's like the first time you see him, and everything else he's like surrounded by the villains, and he's kicking their butts, mm-hmm. and then you get to see him as Batman was really good. I also really liked the very first time that he told Gordon to wait for a signal or whatever and he had that guy strung up on the spotlight in the shape like and it looked like a bat threat yeah. out there 
I thought that was a really cool origin story for the bat signal mm-hmm. with just that guy standing there. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I also one of the scenes that I I noticed that I thought was really funny was at Bruce's birthday party when the old woman came up to him and was like, "There's somebody I need you to meet, Ra's al Ghul," <laughs> and he's like, "What?" And the, the dude spins around and it's a different guy. Yeah. And then he's like, "You're not Ra's al Ghul. He's dead." And that woman is still standing there for this whole thing. Keep yeah. this in mind. So then Liam Neeson comes out of the back and he's like, something, something, something. He's an immortal. And then he spins around and he sees that Liam Neeson is Ra's al Ghul and this is the first time that it's connected. And then that woman who introduced Bruce to the fake Ra's al Ghul just walks off with him like everything's all hunky-dory. Yeah. And she knew what was going on. She was like, she heard Bruce talk about it. this guy was dead. A random dude came in and was like, no, I'm Ra's al Ghul. And she's just like, okay, let's go get another drink. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Things we didn't like? Anything in that realm? This one might be a little harder than the last several all the weeks. Uh, I'm going to pass on this one because I, there's there's really nothing I did. You're going to pass because you want us to come back to you or because you, you don't have anything? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I don't. Okay. I don't. I really don't have anything bad to say about this movie. I really loved it. Like it's. Yeah. It's 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 on that level. Um, I think if there's anything I if there's anything I didn't like. Um, I really didn't care too much for Katie Holmes's performance uh-huh. as Rachel Dawes. I. Now, did you not care for? Katie in that role, or did you not like the character at all? No, I didn't. I didn't care for Katie in the role because I don't care for the character personally. Rachel, Dunn. I don't really care. Like whether it's whether it's Katie Holmes or Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight, I don't really mm-hmm. care for the Rachel Dawes character. I I feel like um, they... she's not someone from Batman lore. I believe she was created for this series, okay. and I just didn't. And so I don't think I just Bruce Wayne doesn't need. I don't think they need a love interest all the time. Well, yeah. Bruce Wayne always has a different love interest, at least from my understanding, unless it's. What? Gordon's daughter? Or whatever? Barbara? Barbara. I mean, it depends on what you look at. I guess it depends on the era, which genre. He's kind of like, he's known as a billionaire playboy. Right. So, he just doesn't, I don't think he needs one at all. I liked Katie Holmes. I liked Katie Holmes more than Maggie Gyllenhaal in the future ones. I'll agree. Um, Because, yeah, go ahead. But... But yeah, it wasn't necessary, I don't think. I think it was just to show some kind of like connection to his childhood that he still was Bruce Wayne at heart. Like that the billionaire Playboy thing was just an act that he was still connected with his former Bruce Wayne as a kid and that he hadn't lost it. So I think it I think it was a, that's what they were going for with with Rachel. Um but yeah, it wasn't necessary. I think that you could have got the point across I mean, they basically said, how are you going to spend all this money? You have to be seen in some way. And then he starts acting like that. So I think that that established it enough without needing another kind of connection. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she just, I just don't think she serves much purpose. Um, I think she's one of those characters you could take out of the movie and it doesn't change the movie. And that's fair. That's, uh, I don't know. That's always tough to go through. I also think that, I don't know, I know you said you like the League of Shadows stuff. I could have used a little less, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was I'm slow. S- I'm stretching now to come up with things I didn't like, so this is not like a true negative. I just felt like 
maybe the pacing could have been different or maybe we could have cut down on some of it. I still think it was slow. Having watched it again, I thought it was a slow burn the first half until he became Batman. I thought that it could have been picked up. Mm-hmm. But I got it better than I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an improvement. But for me, it was still kind of like the first hour was pretty slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, well, this is back to you because this is your question. Okay. But the last two movies okay. that we will not speak of didn't have this really. <laughs> <laughs> what, are the, what, are, what are the main themes you identified in this movie? Okay, I have I have three. Ooh, nice. I have fear, and the element of fear is used throughout the movie. In fact, that's what Christopher Nolan wanted to use. Christopher Nolan has a specific has a specific like theme through each movie. This one particularly is fear, because we deal with Batman's fear of overcoming his guilt, uh, of overcoming his guilt for his to the parent to the for the. Oh my god. <laughs> That's all folks. <laughs> Shut up, kid. <Gary. laughs> anyway, uh Batman uses his fear uh to instill fear in those who don't who are weak. But also we explore fear in the sense of like how Batman was able to overcome the guilt of his parents' death. Like he feels badly for his parents' death. And he he uses his fear as part as part of a weapon. And fear is a prominent tool. We see fear used as we see fear used as uh, as power from Valcone and even through um, even through Doctor Crane because Doctor Crane was using a, an hallucinogen to uh, trick his patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we see, I see the use of power. That's another theme here because Falcone, Falcone has power pretty much over the city. Mm-hmm. Um, he has pretty, and he uses that again through fear, but we're, I've already covered that. But the thing is, is that Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul uses power to prey on those that are weak. And Batman uses his power to overcome uh, to overcome those with power if that makes sense and the last one here is hope i think there's a lot of hope here because batman is that shining beacon of hope that gotham needs and i think they got it yeah so yeah those are the three i've got yeah i mean what is the what is the line i'm sure we'll talk about it next week what's the line in the dark knight at the end that gordon says he's not the hero we deserve, but he's the hero we need right now, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. something to that, and especially at the end of this movie when he says, "You know, I'm, I never have to thank, I never did get to thank you." Mm, you don't have and to. He said, "And you'll never have to," and he flies off. Yeah. One yeah. thing that I want to talk about is uh, the bat voice, because in I think that as the movies go on, the voices become more uh, exaggerated. Because in this one, it didn't have. The grovelly, like it was, it was different than the Bruce Wayne voice, but it wasn't the silly thing that people make fun of for Christian Bale as Batman. Like that's the one thing that I always feel like people make fun of is his voice, and I feel like in this one it was just regular. It was like a nice disguised voice to differentiate if you didn't know, and if you did know, then it was enough to be like what. And in the, the I'd like to. I don't want to necessarily talk about it now, but like in the next couple of movies, I just want to see how it 
grows, I guess, as a bat voice. Well, I if to differentiate from another series, uh, Batman versus Superman, uh, they he used like something on his use something on his throat. Yeah, a modulator or something. A modulator or whatever that is. So I like that he's using a different voice here. I like that he's 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 differentiating a little bit with his uh with his uh with his vocal cords, if that makes sense. With his vocal ability. It does indeed, yes. So yeah. But yeah, in this in the next couple of movies I feel like it gets a little more exaggerated. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I don't know if people in I'm, this room, agree. But for me, people making fun of the Batman voice is iconic with this series. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it gets worse as, not worse, but like more pronounced as the movies continue. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't, I don't remember yet if it's different enough or not. I've always had a problem with the making fun of the voice, though. It's just stupid. What, like, I feel like people just... We're in a culture now where you have to make fun of everything, even if it's good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because if he didn't make that voice, everyone would have made fun of him for sounding just like Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It makes me so mad that we just have to, have to make fun of something. Yep. That's unfortunately... Our culture is stupid. That's what we live in right now. Everything is... I mean, everything is... Especially when we'll get into The Dark Knight Rises, where you have an actor making a voice that deserves to be made fun of in Bane, because instead of just, like, altering it, he makes it goofy, whereas Bruce, you could tell his motivation is to not sound like himself and to also sound intimidating. Mm-hmm. So he barks everything, essentially. But we make fun of that and not, <laughs> who is basically a British chicken. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure there'll be an extended segment on that in The Dark Knight Rises in two weeks because he might, Bane might be my least favorite Batman villain on film of all time. It's just so dumb. Anyway. Talk about a tease. Yeah. He is, he's dumb. We'll get there. Uh, we've hit all the main points, so I wanted to go into a kind of wild card round because I know Andrew has quite a bit of notes. You probably have quite a bit of notes as well. So let's go into some things that we didn't discuss. In our main points, how about that? What do you What do you have, Andrew, that you really wanted to touch on that you didn't? Well, I wrote a paragraph here that basically what we talked about is it's a it's a soliloquy that Andrew wrote for Batman Begins. Batman is scary, but Batman is nice. That's not soliloquy. <laughs> it was the start of a poem. <laughs> He's scary and nice. It it. I mean, I've I've, I've talked about the death of Bruce's parents. I've mm-hmm. talked, what I like about this movie is that. The good, tra- I mean, the traits that are, the traits that are paramount throughout Bruce's family history. I mean, we see, we see Bruce as a caped crusader. We see his dad as somebody who was going to go bankrupt, who was going to go bankrupt, helping out the poor people, helping out the weak in Gotham. But what I love, if there's anything I, if there's anything I love about this is uh, the traits date back, these traits actually date back as far as the Civil War, because right underneath Wayne Manor, uh, apparently that was used to house uh, free slaves and getting them to getting them to the, uh, the underground. Yeah. The Underground Railroad. It was mentioned there. And I, I, I love that. I love how they, like it goes back ancestral. I think that's a neat... I think it's a neat topic. Mm-hmm. 
and you could somebody could write their dissertation on it. Mm-hmm. Anything else in there? Uh, I have my final analysis, um, and my final analysis is okay. It's a this movie is a character building reboot for the ages. Batman Begins surpasses everything that that the old series that the old series couldn't do, mm-hmm. and gives new life to an old franchise. Agreed, hundred percent. So I'm reading a book right now called Slugfest by a guy named Reed Tucker, and he goes through the basically it's the 50 year rivalry of Marvel and DC. And Batman is obviously a big thing because DC was this massive comic conglomerate and Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and although they had these iconic superheroes and then Marvel came up from the ashes and just surpassed everything and DC couldn't figure out what was going on. And so one of the things that they talk about throughout the book is the different people who wrote Batman and how many different varieties of Batman that there was. There was Batman for kids. There was the campy Batman. There was the dark Batman. And, it, and, and this is very similar in a movie form of what they talk about in the comics of like you have um, Burton and Schumacher's fantasy and silly and mostly for kids and kind of fun. And then um, you had Adam West, which was just way over the top. And all of these, but that like different enough to where like the Schumacher stuff was dark, but still silly and fantastical. Adam West was just campy and fun. Mm-hmm. And then you have this, which is such a different reinvigorating thing. And I really like this look at Batman. And I think this is what most people think of. They want dark. They want gritty. And I think where DC went wrong in their universe is they tried to apply that because it was successful to heroes that are not that way. Mm-hmm. And But it's really interesting to see how successful this was because it was the first time that you got a dark and gritty, realistic Batman. And uh, it's interesting that the comics went through the same kind of evolution uh-huh. as they did in the movies. So I like how you bring that up because I think like I think this is the first I think this is the first like Batman series and probably only that's actually aimed t- more towards adults. Yeah. This, this is yeah. a dark, this is a dark yeah. series. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, this is this is a say what? I was going to agree that outside of I think there is an aspect of the Burton ones that are adult oriented, mm-hmm. but the the two Schumacher entries are clearly, They're clearly more geared aimed. toward children. They're clearly which is fine. Yeah. But you're right that this is the the start of of really saying, well, but adults will like this too because mm-hmm. you know, Adults now enjoyed Batman as a kid. And, yeah, I mean, if you enjoyed the Keaton movies, and if you tried to enjoy the Schumacher movies, um, I think you'll get more appreciation out of Batman Begins here. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think now it's just like, we've moved past the Batman and Robin era. Let's do it justice. Because, mm-hmm. Bat- because as I understand, after Batman and Robin, they had a hard time trying to figure out what they could do next with Batman. And they they didn't know. And Joel, Joel Schumacher uh, screwed it up royally for him. <laughs> yeah, because they're, and, they're not great movies. They're especially they that, did make a, de- a decent amount of money, especially that last one. So, on the topic of money, let's go to the box office analysis of this movie. Uh, so, Batman Begins was really not a, a huge hit. Um, it did all right. 
According to the box office Mojo numbers, it had a production budget of 150 million. Yeah. And in the U.S., it made 205. So uh, it was likely profitable, but not the runaway success that the sequels are. Um, and there's a lot to be said, especially about The Dark Knight, as to why it had such a great box office success. A lot of it you could attribute to Heath Ledger's sudden death. And then a lot of it is just the fact that it was an extremely good movie that had a lot of replay value and people went back to see more. Um, one thing I found interesting is this that Batman Begins, at the time even, didn't wasn't among the highest grossing Batman movies. Um, when we adjust, I'm going to look at the adjusted for ticket price inflation because the franchise has such a long history. Um, it comes in at number seven. At the time, it would have been one, two, three, four. Okay. Behind Batman, Batman Forever, and Batman Returns. So not a big hit for the franchise, which is surprising, no? That is surprising. Um, Adjusted for inflation, at the time, Batman 1989 was the biggest hit. So the weekend it came out, though, was... uh, was, I'd say it was a slow weekend. It looks like it was the only major release that weekend. It came out June 17th, 2005. I remember going to see this at a, at a discount theater for the first time. I, I remember that I did not see this in the theaters, but I do remember that. So summer. you're part of the problem. Yeah, I probably, <laughs> I probably was. Did you like, see it in theaters? I think so. I can't uh, remember that yeah. far back. So, But uh, I remember that Getting summer old. in particular. That summer in particular was a very slow summer. Yeah, it like, look, it looks like it because... Like I said, this was the only major release that weekend. Um, first Batman movie to come out in years. Yep. What was what was Batman and Robin? 97, maybe? 97. So almost 10 years. A couple oh, a hair short. It made $48 million in its first weekend, debuting at number one. Number two, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Which, wasn't that, wasn't that the pit, that was, Jolie? That was, yeah, that was the up? first time that they, they, they had done a movie together. The yeah. They're still married, aren't they? No. No. I don't know anymore. Okay, no, I believe you. I didn't. I didn't see that movie. It doesn't have a lot of interest for me. Uh, number three was Madagascar, hmm. which was, had been out for four weeks at the time. It was okay. Number four was Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, which had been out for five weeks. The best of that trilogy. In truly, which one was it? The Revenge of the Sith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where we see a itty bitty tiny bit of Darth Vader. Uh-huh. Number five was The Longest Yard. Isn't that the Adam Sandler football movie? Yes, yep. it is. It was a remake. Yes, it was. I didn't see that. It was all right. Number six, The Adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl in 3D. Whoa, hello. Number seven was Cinderella Man. I love Cinderella Man. Yeah, that was, a, that was people, a... People enjoyed that. That was a great movie. Yeah, I'm not a big Russell Crowe guy, but uh, that, was a big, that was a big one for Ron Howard as a director. Mm-hmm. Number eight... The only other new release that week was a movie called The Perfect Man, starring Hilary Duff and Heather Locklear. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Obviously didn't do well since it debuted at number eight. Number nine was The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And number ten <laughs> was The Honeymooners movie. Starring what? Cedric the Entertainer and Mike Epps. <laughs> Gabrielle Union, wow. Regina Hall, and Johnny Legs. Johnny Legs was on. not remember that at all. No. So rough, rough, uh, rough summer. At least at that point. A very, it was a very slow summer. I do remember. Can you that. recall what other big movies came out summer two thousand five? War of the Worlds. 
Um, oh, I did like that movie. Yeah, World of Worlds came. World of Worlds came out in I want to say. Oh gosh, Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, there was a whole. War of the Worlds came out a, two weeks later, I think. Yeah. Fantastic Four, the first one. Which sucked. But not as bad as some of the others. Yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, goodness. Yeah, and the only, I mean, really the only other movies I remember was Star Wars Episode Three. We're truly in an amazing time for movies, aren't we? We in really In terms are. of blockbusters, we, some people may disagree with me. In fact, I remember that week, or, or that, that summer in particular, George Lucas came out and said, the blockbuster is dead. He actually said that in 2005. I, he said that about his own movie. I read. I well, he just said the blockbuster is dead. Like the blockbuster genre is dead. Well, it's certainly back, and we can thank Marvel for that. Because um, really, uh, just look at the last few years. Take out Marvel, and what do you have? Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> and what? One a year. Yeah. Star Wars, and uh, that's it. Better yet. <laughs> Better yet, <laughs> take Disney. Take out, out Disney, yeah, because Marvel and, and Star Wars are all under the the mouse house. So you take out Disney, and you're left with even fewer options. Oh, you're left with Jurassic. because it's on recent memory, Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. Um, we'll assume the DC movies still exist. So you have Wonder Woman. The other the other DC EU movies have not been huge successes, so I'm not going to count them. That's why it makes me so sad. Transformers. Yeah. yeah, more so in in the early years, but yeah, it's just not there's not a lot. There's no. that's and that's, that's scary, and that should be scary to movie studios when Disney is the one controlling the entire I, idea of a summer blockbuster. That's why I don't like them. That's, that's why I hate all this stuff. That's you don't like who? I, Disney. Like, oh, like, like I, it's not Disney. Hey, na 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 na. Hey, hey, it's not Disney's fault that they're the only ones making decent movies. But they're buying sh- up everything else, and I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that they're being. Yeah, around. okay. I don't, I don't love the idea of them owning every, I don't every like, major studio. But I don't like them own, like being a conglomerate for everything now. That that makes me kind of sad because yes. it's just like, no, well now Disney's in in control of everything. Right, that's and fair. They, they make a lot. I mean, well, sure, they make they make decent content. I'll give them that. But at the same ooh, time, better than decent, I think. I. I will say that, like, I don't like the idea of them owning everything. No, here's, here's, yes. Mickey Mouse is going to come find you. I just want you to know. Yeah. You're going to well, wake up and you're just going to see a couple of ears standing over your head and you're going to be. Ha ha! Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have the traps ready. And I'll, oh, they I'll putting fight. out the mouse traps. I will fight with. No, you're, you're right, order. though, because, um, you know, let's say the Fox deal goes through and Disney owns, owns 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. You've got. In terms of major studios left, Sony, Paramount, Universal, that's it? They'll be owned by... Who else is left after those three? Uh, A24. And they're not majors, they're still an indie studio. I'm talking about like... You're talking about... I'm talking about major studios who who can spit out blockbuster films. Sony, Universal, Paramount. I don't know of another off the top of my head. I was going to say MGM, but they're owned by 20th Century Fox. Boom, there you go. That'll be a Disney property. That's a Disney property. Or Comcast, but probably Disney. So you're right that it is uh, becoming a problem where we're down to, f- we'll be down to four major studios making wait, making movies, and then you've got the same problem that network TV has. But we're not talking about Batman anymore. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> which is fine. We got the Batman talk out of the way. Yeah, I was um, gonna say DreamWorks, but DreamWorks is owned by Disney. See, you're getting all 
You're trying. It's, it's pissing me off. Pixar, Disney. It's like, pissing me the off. The major animation studios. What you got? A uh, Illumination. Who's that? It's. I think that's Universal. Yes, I think you're right. Yes, 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 yes. So that's it. it, it them and uh, and Pixar are the two main main players in animation, and mm-hmm. half that's Disney. Still want to go to Disney World though. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going to Disney World. I'm just gonna like. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a healthy distance from you though, just in case that yeah the the <laughs> Disney police come down on looks, you. I'm not a part of. I don't know him. <laughs> don't put me in the, the Disney <laughs> Disney jail. What? We got people that want your seat. We can we can find a third person real easy. <laughs> probably well, probably. Bring it on. Okay, let's uh let's talk or let's uh, guess the score. How about that? All right, let's not talk about Disney anymore. <laughs> For now, <laughs> what do you think, Andrew? Batman Begins scored on the Round Tomatoes meter thingy doodle. I am going to give it eighty-nine. Okay, I I had been thinking about this and I'm going to give it an eighty-six. Oh my goodness! I was going to give it an eighty-seven. Well, you still can. I can, and I'm gonna. <laughs> okay. The number for the BB ooh is eighty-four. Ooh, that's a close one. I win though. <laughs> but that's a close one. That that might be um is that the first time that we've all gotten it that close? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting better at the guessing game. For well, the record, I want to say 84, 84 was my first one. Oh, was it? Well, it your intuition <laughs> should have gone with you, you, you liar. Yeah, your intuition was correct and you shouldn't have gone against it. <laughs> um I gave this movie three and a half stars three and a half batarangs i'm gonna i'm gonna give this movie a four okay i will go with the three point actually seven five let me double check what i put on my letterboxd profile Ah, shameless where where i review movies no 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 i was wrong i did give it four out of five four batarangs out of five um one thing i wanted to note is that so it's it's fun to watch these movies in hindsight, seeing knowing the full trilogy now, because of the uh, cultural phenomenon that The Dark Knight became. It is a shame that we let this movie kind of disappear into into its sequel's shadow, because it's a very good movie, but no one thinks about it. It's a The Dark Knight in it, ate it basically. I think the problem that. I think the problem that I want to follow up on that with is that it's a very character-driven movie. It's a very character-based movie, and there's a lot of character building in it. And as much as I hate to say it, there's people out there who just don't want to watch that stuff. No, and well... I, and I think that, that, like, we're... In the in the age of movies now, what we're driven towards is we're driven towards high-octane action. We're driven towards just things coming your way. Yeah. And explosions everywhere. Bullets are flying. People getting killed. We're and we're 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 kind of in that. We really are in that. And I think that's what when especially when you go to movies like these, that's almost what you expect. Mm-hmm. And with this, you get some of that, but you get the story that Batman deserves. That's, yeah, that's why I this like is, it a lot. This is the origin story that Batman deserves. I think, and I I just mean that. Um, I think a lot of people probably rightly saw this movie when it came out and went, that was okay. Yeah. That was an okay Batman movie. 
and then it, but ultimately forgettable. But when you see the the big picture of what Nolan was doing, it's it's easier to appreciate it a little more, mm-hmm. and see okay, I see what they were doing now. Yeah, but I we agree. didn't think that at the time. Nope. Because I think it should have been a bigger hit than it was, but we didn't know. We didn't know. Uh, that wraps up this week of so many sequels. Batman Begins. What a fun movie. Um, we'll be back next week with The Dark Knight. It's going to be a really fun one, I think. I'm just excited to watch it. I'm excited it's been to a watch while. it. I love that movie. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. You can find us online at facebook.com slash okconnection. On Instagram, just search for so many sequels pod. And I have an announcement to make that you two don't know yet. Because I didn't tell you. Um, uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna launch a Facebook page with this episode. Oh, okay. We're gonna do it. Facebook.com/slash So Many Sequels Pod is up now as of, as of the release of this episode. So go find us there and like us there, where we'll post fun stuff about this show. Okay, cool. Um, like I said, we'll be back next week with The Dark Knight. Until then, bye. It's not who we are. It's not who. Oh fuck! I fucked it up. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs>